0: It's the Confluence on 90.5 WESA. I'm Kevin Gavin. Today our conversation will focus on improving rail safety. That's coming up in a few minutes, but first we get to news that broke yesterday. The jury in the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting trial has now reached two decisions. That Robert Bowers is guilty of shooting and killing 11 Jewish worshippers on October 27th. 2018, and then yesterday that Bowers is eligible for the death penalty. The shooting affected three congregations that worshipped in that space, Dor Hadash, New Light, and Tree of Life. Julia Zankovic has been covering the trial for WESA alongside fellow reporter Oliver Morrison. Julia joins us now. Welcome back to the program, Julia. Good morning, Kevin. Julia, yesterday's decision came after a relatively
1: short time of deliberations. Yeah, the jury deliberated for less than two hours over two days.
0: Now, those deliberations came after closing arguments in this phase of the trial. But prior to that, there were many days of testimony featuring expert witnesses for both the prosecution and defense. What was at the center of this testimony?
1: During the second phase of the trial, the jury had to determine whether Bowers had formed an intent to kill before carrying out the attack. Uh, Both prosecutors and defense attorneys noted that he doesn't appear remorseful and instead has said as recently as May that he regrets that he didn't kill more people. Um, but while his lawyers argued that this proves he suffers from mental illness, specifically schizophrenia, as well as delusions and other brain dysfunctions that made it impossible for him to inform the intent to kill, uh, prosecutors disagreed. They argued it shows his clear intent to kill and how clear it continues to be, and that Bowers had the capacity to plan, premeditate, and intentionally kill.
0: As I said, they both brought on their medical experts uh, to try to prove their point. That's correct. So if he had intent to kill, that automatically makes him eligible for the death penalty? That is the one key factor? What?
1: There are a few other factors, such as, um, you know, was he 18 or older at the time of the crime? But those were not disputed by either the defense or the prosecution. Mm -hmm.
0: Bowers killed 11 people, wounded six others. So how many counts was Bowers found guilty of?
1: So the same jury that found him eligible for a death sentence yesterday found Bowers guilty on all 63 federal counts he was charged with last month. And those include murder and hate crime charges. Mm
0: -hmm. All right. So they found him eligible for the death penalty. What's happening next?
1: Yeah, So now we're headed into the final phase of the trial, the sentencing phase, when the jury will have to decide whether or not Bauer should be sentenced to death. Uh, This phase is expected to be more emotional and jurors will hear directly from family members of the victim's. And survivors about the pain and trauma Bowers inflicted on them and Pittsburgh's Jewish community at large.
0: And when is that testimony uh, expected to be presented from the survivors and family members?
1: A testimony will begin on Monday.
0: And uh, are there any indications of how many people will testify? And will the second part of that question is will the defense try to again introduce maybe mitigating factors?
1: Yeah, so uh, it's not clear yet exactly how many people will testify, um, but part of this phase will be that uh, the prosecution will introduce aggravating factors and the defense will have a chance to present some mitigating factors.
0: Aggravating such as, Julia?
1: Um, Not really clear yet, but I assume we will hear more at um, opening arguments on Monday.
0: hmm So the jury will have a third decision to make. First, as we said at the beginning, the conviction. Then second, yesterday, eligibility for the death penalty. And now whether Bowers should be put to death. Uh, So what are the outcomes? Is just two possibilities
1: here? Yeah, there are two possibilities. Uh, The first is you know, the death penalty. Uh, But if the jury does not unanimously decide that Bauer should be sentenced to death, uh, then he'll be sentenced to life in prison without parole.
0: And finally, Julia, what have we heard from members of the congregations who were affected, survivors, families of victims regarding the death penalty?
1: Most of the victims' families have said they support the death penalty. In this case, uh, they say it represents a just punishment and would serve as a deterrent to other would-be hate-fueled attacks.
0: Julia Zankovich is a reporter with WESA. You can find her coverage of the remainder of the trial at WESA.fm. Julia, thanks for your reporting and for joining us today. Thanks, Kevin. It's the Confluence, where the news comes together on 90.5 WESA. I'm Kevin Gavin. On February 3rd, 38 cars of a 149-car Norfolk Southern train derailed in East Palestine, Ohio. 11 of those that jumped the tracks were carrying toxic chemicals. Officials decided to intentionally release the vinyl chloride, a toxic flammable gas, from five leaking tank cars and burn it off to avoid a possible explosion. Since then, Bills have been introduced in the U.S. Senate and in state legislatures in Pennsylvania and Ohio to place stricter regulations on the rail industry. State Representative Rob Matsey and his colleague Jim Marshall, both from Beaver County, are the sponsors of House Bill 1028, legislation meant to increase rail safety. Welcome, Representative Matsey
2: Thank you, Kevin, for having me. Look forward to talking with you.
0: Also joining us is Topher Sanders. Topher is an investigative reporter covering railroad safety at ProPublica. Topher, thanks for being here. Always a pleasure to be here. All right, since the derailment in East Palestine, are we seeing more, a greater appetite to update rail safety regulations? Topher, what have you seen on the national level?
3: Yes, uh, there's an open willingness to have the discussion. Uh, We've even had uh the rare shooting star of a bipartisan effort come out of uh you know a committee uh come out of the Senate um and that is uh, really encouraging for people who want to see uh, greater safety uh on the rails uh but as is the case with anything in DC it uh seems to have hit um a, a speed bump and we're we're waiting to see if it can get to the full floor and um and get a real vote
0: Representative, since your county, Beaver County, is so close to East Palestine, the Ohio border, uh, what, what was your immediate reaction to this derailment and also how it did affect the communities that you represent?
2: Well, I think the immediate reaction was, you know, we're a rail county. Uh, you know, we have a hub. Uh, you know, Norfolk Southern, formerly Conrail, one of the largest switching stations in the world. Quite frankly, right in my district, in the heart of Beaver County. Representative Marshall, my counterpart uh, from Beaver County, his district literally borders East Palestine. So uh, his his communities were directly affected. My communities from the air quality, and then the concern, obviously with contamination, was a big deal. So it was, uh, I think, from the perspective of Uh, emergency management especially, it was frustrating because the accident happened 100 yards into the Ohio line. So Pennsylvania was there to assist, but Pennsylvania wasn't there as far as being decision makers on what to do after uh, the accident occurred. Uh, And I think that's left a bad taste in a lot of folks' mouths. The other thing we have to keep in mind, and I don't think a lot of people recognize this, Ohio and Pennsylvania border each other, but they're two different EPA districts. So you had literally had a variety of different agencies involved, even within themselves, uh, making determinations and decisions on what to do after the accident occurred. Uh, The basis of our legislation, quite frankly, and I think what several other states are looking at is wait a minute here. Uh, The feds have been asleep at the wheel. Uh, We believe we have uh, the ability to do something internally Uh, for our individual state, uh, and we need to get something on the books. Mm -hmm.
0: Representative, uh, you called Beaver County a rail county. Uh, Was rail safety on your radar prior to this uh, derailment?
2: Always has been, quite frankly, but never to this uh, magnitude. I think it's been a perfect storm, quite honestly. Uh, We've seen a variety, uh, actually a larger number uh, of derailments over the course of the last several years, Been brought to my attention most uh, recently by uh, some of the unions. Quite honestly, about their concern of of having uh, dedicated two-man crews. At least at one time, they were shooting for three-man crews, but uh, they'd be happy to have something in statute that says a two-man crew and wayside detectors uh, more closely aligned uh, from a safety perspective. So it's been on the radar, but never to this magnitude. And and quite honestly, I think for so many years, one of the things that always transpired every time. A conversation came out in Washington or in state capitals across the country, oftentimes unions would stand with the railroads. That's not the case anymore. We're seeing that across uh, all sectors of employment and labor, quite honestly. Whereas, hey, wait a minute here. Uh Uh, I have friends that have worked in the rail industry. It took them 20 years to get a full-time schedule. Uh, Always on call. Uh, Last year, we heard a a lot of cries relative to what they were trying to get accomplished in Washington relative to having sick pay and having the ability to take off. So uh, workers are frustrated and they're frustrated at every sector of of the labor uh, movement and and also in the economy. and, And I think this was really a perfect storm.
0: The Federal Railway Safety Act, which you alluded to, Topher, uh, was approved by the Senate Commerce Committee in May, would require advance notice about the carrying of hazardous materials and other uh, limitations. What key points in that legislation stick out to you?
3: Uh, the one you just noted is, I think, the one that uh, most states and communities are, are really excited about. It's got language in there about doing something about block crossings, but it's kind of unclear what exactly it would do uh, for block crossings. I know that if it's secondary to knowing what kind of hazardous materials are coming through their community. I know that probably a, a close second to that is, you know, getting some relief from having their entire community shut down at any given time with a train that just will sit at a crossing and there's no power that the federal government has or that anyone has to compel a train company to move that train. we've had story after story unfortunately throughout the country where you know people have had uh, emergency response needs that have been interrupted because they've had these blocked crossings. So I think that you know, I think that people will really want to see what the meat on the bone will be on whatever the block crossings elements are, but definitely they're encouraged to see something
0: being talked about related to these hazardous materials. All right, let's uh, continue with the block crossings. Uh, You know, people might say, what's the big deal about this? But there's actually Ohio, the state of Ohio, appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. What's the status of that, Topher? And then we get to Representative Matsey because block crossings is also part of your legislation. Still waiting to hear what the
3: Supreme Court is going to do with that case. Uh, last we heard, they they kicked it to uh, the, the 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 federal solicitor general to offer its opinion on the case. Basically, hey, federal government, do you have an opinion on what this case is about and the central court questions around this case? Some 19 to 20 other states have signed on uh, to that case uh, to be a party to that case. Uh, so the interest is high and it's... um. A previous attempt from another state, uh, the Supreme Court com- just completely rejected it. So the fact that the Supreme Court is even asking this secondary question gives some people encouragement that they're going to to hear this and invite an argument, and, but we're still waiting to hear about that.
0: All right. Uh, you've written about this extensively, uh, and even, what, kids crawling under the trains to get from one area to, another, words, past the train? Topher, tell us a yeah. little bit about that.
3: It's a parent's, you know, worst nightmare. You send your kid out to go to school. You live within a walking distance of a school and you feel very comfortable. Your kid's going to get there. And, you know, they have to encounter uh, with some frequency in some particular communities these stop trains. And they got to make a choice, you know, because of the length of the trains, walking around the trains, which seems perfectly reasonable, not all that reasonable because of the length of the trains. So the child's got to make a choice Do I go over or under this stop train, which could begin moving at any moment just to get to school? And um, it's a it's a situation that no parent wants to be in. But unfortunately, communities throughout our country, they deal with it
0: every school year. Mm -hmm. Topher just mentioned communities throughout the country uh, dealing with this representative block crossings is in your legislation as well. Uh, Is it a similar issue for your constituents?
2: Yes, no question about it. Uh, I I think that really was one of the things. Thanks. Thanks to long form journalism, quite frankly, and local journalism and some of the photos that we were able to to find on the Internet and really share with some of our colleagues and say, look, uh, you can have some concerns about preemption all you want. We believe we have this right. But look at this picture. Look at this picture. These kids have to make decisions about whether or not they're gonna get out of their area. I talked to one Republican in, in the rural part of, of, of the state said that the, the one community he represents, the way the tracks are, uh, it surrounds most of that one community. And they've had instances where the train was there for for more than 24 hours. That's ridiculous. That's, un, that's just unconscionable that it's allowed to occur. And I think that's the one area where I believe from a bipartisan perspective, uh, most of those areas are in rural areas. So while I am the Democrat and a majority chairman of the committee that oversees this under the Public Utility Commission, uh, most of these incidents when it comes to block train crossings aren't in areas that are represented by Democrats, quite frankly, in Pennsylvania. They're in rural areas. So that's what makes this a unique piece of legislation and why it got such strong bipartisan support. And you
0: just can't get the rail company to move them, Is just to be clear?
2: One of the things that you you find out very quickly as a policymaker uh, the railroad owns more real estate than McDonald's, and they've run this country for more than 100 years. Uh, it's just that simple uh, from the perspective of lobbying uh, in, in Washington and across the states. And look, they've been supportive of me financially. Uh, that That's that's publicly noted. But the, quite frankly, the reality of the situation is enough's enough here. Uh, that's just unacceptable. Un, un, it's just really unconscionable to me. Uh, that that that's allowed to occur. In my bill, it prohibits a train from blocking crossings for emergency vehicles for longer than five minutes and imposes a penalty of $10,000 for each violation. So uh, I think, you know, from a punitive perspective, I think that's the only way we're going to get their attention.
0: Representative, over the last couple of decades, multiple courts have ruled that only the federal government can impose rules affecting railroad operations railways, let's face it, they move throughout the country, they cross state lines, federal government has the FRA. So Representative, why pass legislation that is Pennsylvania specific when there's a federal agency?
2: Well, the feds have been asleep at the will, as I said, at the onset of the segment. Uh, but we also believe in in federal law under preemption that it specifically states, and I used it as my argument, a state may adopt or continue enforce additional or more stringent law, regulation, or order related to railroad safety or security when the law, regulation, or order is necessary to eliminate or reduce an essentially local safety or security hazard and is not compatib- or compatible with a law, regulation, or order of the United States government. Uh, we believe that gives us that that room. Uh, And I know there have been cases and continue to have cases. And that's been one of the arguments that we've heard from the industry, uh, that we don't have that from an interstate perspective. It needs to be intrastate, et cetera, or vice versa. And uh, we believe that's the leg we have to stand on. Mm
0: -hmm. Topher, I want to bring you in here. I mean, you've investigated, you're an investigative reporter dealing with rail safety. What has been your understanding of the role of states and how much say they can have or do have? Yeah, the representative
3: nailed it. It's uh, routinely uh, what you'll hear from the industry is that, you know, this violates commerce law. And and that's what the courts have been deciding. When these these matters get to state Supreme Courts or get to federal appeals courts, they've been siding with the railroads. It doesn't mean that the representative and his brain trust haven't figured out a way to to really get across the goal line here. But the history of these legislative moves have been that they've getting spiked at the end.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Representative, I'm going to bring you back in. Do you think it's an uphill battle, though?
2: It is, no question. I, but I also think, you know, we a lot of fanfare was made about how a bill came out of committee in, in Washington, D.C., and it's been stalled. And here we go. But But I think the one thing to note is it's just not Pennsylvania. Arizona, Kansas, Iowa, Wyoming, Illinois, Arkansas, Texas, North Carolina, Missouri, and Ohio are all looking at this. So it's not blue states and it's red states as well. So everybody sees this as an open uh, opening to try and get something done internally, because if for no other reason, to get the attention of the federal legislators to get, get off their rents and do something quite honestly. Awesome.
3: Uh, you know, go ahead go Add this to the list. Of, just real quick. You add this to the list of things where there seems to be strong consensus out in the country. But for whatever reason, D.C. doesn't see or understand that consensus to get something done.
0: Um, representative, as one of the states, do you see that things sort of have to, I don't want to say work from the ground up, work from outside of the beltway, inside of the beltway?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's the only way we're going to get anybody's attention, quite honestly. I've had good conversations with with my congressman, Chris Deluzio, who is one of the one of the co-sponsors on the congressional side of the legislation, obviously of the Senate version also. But uh, it's just it's just frustrating that, uh, you know, for so long in Pennsylvania and state government, we've been able to work from a bipartisan manner on most things. I mean, it's gotten a little bit more hairy the last few years as everything's become more polarized. But for the most part, state governments are where a lot of things are happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Washington, D.C., it's another story. I mean, it gets the headlines, and you hear about the analysis and paralysis, et cetera. But state governments are where things are happening that really directly affect people. And we believe this is a piece of legislation that needs to get done.
0: Uh, Topher, what are you hearing from railroad officials?
3: Railroad officials say they don't need any more legislation. Uh, surprise, surprise. Uh, they uh, say, hey, man, we're doing uh, vital, important work for the country. We employ Uh, You know, tons and tons of folks throughout uh, Red State, Blue State. And and we're doing just fine. Let us continue as is. And, And where there are these little problems in communities like block crossings, we can figure that out with the community. So they tell me. The communities, of course, have a different
0: perspective. And just about a minute left. Representative, your bill also includes a lot of things that the federal legislation does as well. And that's length of trains, as well as uh, communications, wayside detectors, crew minimums. Uh, What are your chances of getting it passed through the Senate? It passed the House pretty easily. What about the Senate?
2: We feel confident at the very least we're going to hear get a hearing this fall, and we're hopeful that hearing is going to be enough to actually get a, a full vote of the full Senate uh, and 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 get this up uh, for for a vote. Uh, the the railroads for too long is it's truly uh, the very definition of the fox guarding the henhouse, and that needs to stop.
0: And finally, Topher, in this coming year, do you think there might be updated regulations?
3: I think we got a chance on stuff like wayside detectors. I do. I think that it's really uh, become clear that that was uh, a real issue in, in relates to the Ohio derailment. And so I think there's an opportunity there for everyone to see that there needs to be some, some movement on wayside
0: detectors. So representative, you might have to maybe scale down your ass for to get a few of the really key things.
2: Happy, happy to do that. I mean, the train length thing—eighty-five hundred feet, twenty-six football fields. Think about that for one second. And in the East Palestine incident, they had to have an extra engine in the middle of that train to move. Come on, that's that just that in and of itself is definition of dangerous, in my humble opinion. State Representative
0: Rob Matsey, thank you so much for your time today.
2: Happy to be here, uh, and thanks for having me.
0: And Topher Sanders is an investigative reporter covering rail safety for at ProPublica. Topher, thank you. Thank you. Always a pleasure. And for today, that is The Confluence, where the news comes together on 90.5 WESA. If you missed anything from today's show or you'd like to hear past episodes, check us out at WESA.fm slash confluence or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Thanks to our team, Addison Deal, Laura Satsui, and Mary Lee Williams. I'm Kevin Gavin. Until next time, hope you have a good day of
2: good news.